You have all heard this said, the institution doesn't love you back. And in this episode, we're going to take this quote apart and start thinking about a new way to feel valued in academic medicine. As you will discover, the only real way to create an institution that loves us back, that values us for our hard work, is by loving and valuing ourselves first. So stay tuned and let's dive right in. Welcome to the Academic Revolution Podcast, where we are creating a movement to change the future of academic medicine forever. I'm Inga Hoffman, a Harvard-trained pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and a passionate leadership coach with over 20 years of experience in academic medicine. This is the first podcast for academic physicians that will show you how to achieve higher productivity, become an impactful leader, and create a highly successful career doing what you love without sacrificing your personal life. You and I know that the traditional system is broken, so it's time to say no to the old publish or perish mentality and say yes to lasting change. Join me as we transform academic medicine from the inside out, one physician at a time, starting right here with the Academic Revolution podcast. Well, welcome to the Academic Revolution podcast. I'm Inga Hoffman, your host, um, and I'm so honored and excited to be here with you. In this episode, I want to share some thoughts and take a deep dive into this whole idea that so many struggling academic physicians face. You know, we all work really hard and often we feel like the harder we work trying to juggle all the different responsibilities between research, clinical care and administrative and educational responsibilities, the harder we try to keep all these balls up in the air, the less recognition we actually get. And often we feel just frustrated and resentful about this. And you probably have heard this said at some point or another, the institution doesn't love you back. And that particular revelation to realize that no matter how hard you try, you don't really get love back from an institution, leaves us often resentful, perhaps disappointed, frustrated, and hurt. And many times it just leaves us feeling like, let's just put my head down and just get work done. After all, everyone is just in it for themselves. So today I want to share some ideas how to change that landscape, how to change that philosophy of working in an institution that doesn't love us back, but instead creating an environment, a culture, and an academic institution where we value each other. This podcast is all about going from resignation in academic medicine to revolution and to creating change. We all know that the academic system and healthcare has many broken pieces, but it is time to go from resignation 
and trying to create change, one physician at a time, and mend the pieces back together again. And if enough people are going to do that, we can truly create a revolution. So let me share a little bit about myself. I'm just like you, an academic physician. I'm a pediatric hematologist, oncologist. I'm also a program leader of a bone marrow transplant program. I'm a mom, and I'm very passionate about leadership in academic medicine, about helping other physicians and scientists thrive in academia. And I'm also a person of faith. That is a really important part of who I am and how I live my life. But in many ways, I also have some unique attributes that probably started through my journey and through my challenges in academic medicine. I figured that I want to be a better leader, that I want to learn the skill sets of becoming a better leader, that I got passionate about this topic, um, and that I wanted to help more physician scientists and academic physicians succeed so that we can nurture and develop the best talent for the future. But I wasn't always this passionate. In fact, in many ways, I started out just like you in a high-profile academic institution and wanted to get it all right. As I was um, finishing my fellowship, I did my research in a very high-profile laboratory. I loved what I was doing, and I was doing quite well for myself uh, in those early days. Um, everything moved along really well, and then a number of things happened that I will share over, over the course of time over this podcast, but one key event that happened um, is I became a mom and quickly prioritized started to shift. Before I was a mom, and it was very easy to work until 10 o'clock at night and run experiments on the weekend. My husband didn't really mind too much. He was running his own business. And so it all worked out great. But once our children came into the mix, there were just more plates to juggle. And I realized that I needed to find a way to keep up all the plates in the air without anything breaking down and falling down. So I did what every wonderful academic physician does early in their career. You find a mentor. And I thought out two people that I really admired and looked up to that were women physician scientists just like I aspired to be. They were highly regarded and respected by their communities, by their field, by the leadership. And I was like, they have it figured out. They have a highly successful laboratory career. They seem to do the 80-20 split perfectly well and having a perfect family. So I figured I will go and reach out and meet with those individuals and get some advice and how to actually make this all work how to juggle all the pieces in an academic career and be a parent and doing all the things without going insane, essentially, and how to be productive and keep productivity up. Well, when I met with those two individuals in separate meetings, I learned from both of them the same answer. When I asked them, well, so what's the secret? How, how you have figured this out and what shall I be doing? They looked at me with some sort of sadness in their eyes and, and said, Inga, 
If you ever figure it out, please let me know. I'm not quite sure how to do it either. I'm just going day by day and I'm just trying my best. And I remember in that moment feeling very disenchanted and leaving that meeting thinking, wow, they haven't figured it out either. It seemed like sometimes people just kind of put up a good facade and the outside looks so much better than the reality. And perhaps they too are trying to fake it until they make it and trying their best to keep up that image of a perfect academic physician scientist. The other thing I learned and discovered through this journey is that most people are trying to just figure things out for themselves. And oftentimes through that resignation, through that process of the harder I work, the less I actually get recognition. They just learn to put their head down and trying to keep low and get their work done. So everyone is just in it for themselves and in many ways competing against each other. And that's just how our academic environment is set up. And we're going to talk a lot about this during this podcast. But the other thing I realized that I had to figure this journey out for myself. Mentors didn't have the perfect answer. I tried to look in all sorts of ways within the institution, within faculty development courses, how to be productive, juggle all those different responsibilities, and have a life that feels fulfilled and in harmony. And I realized that really there weren't any resources out there. I think the only thing that really carried me through some of those hard periods is I did have my faith that kept me going and going and it kept me exploring and ultimately it helped me discover so many things that I wouldn't have discovered without having that painful experience of despair kind of hitting rock bottom in academic medicine trying to do all the things and being completely exhausted and we'll share more about that in the future but what I really needed wasn't just a hope It was also some practical, tangible steps that I could take to make my life better, to make my career more productive without working day and night and taking care of my family and my children. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk a lot about what I have discovered along my journey over years and years of exploration And because I didn't find it anywhere within medicine and had to reach without, over time, I put my own systems and frameworks together and houses to succeed in academic medicine. And without going into too much detail, but there's three key things that I discovered for myself that needed to happen in order for me to succeed in the long run. And by now, I call them the three key pillars of success, my physician success DNA method. And I want to just briefly mention them here, and we're going to dive into them in future podcasts. The first thing I discovered that we have to have leadership identity. The second one that was important is having performance habits to increase our productivity. And the third one was to learn about 
mental mastery, meaning how do I master my mindset, my thinking, my thoughts to actually succeed. So again, we're going to talk about this in future episodes, but I just want to mention it here. It took me a journey to discover that the tools that I needed to succeed, I had to put together myself. So back to this idea of not feeling valued. I think the biggest realization that I had during this time is I have to just stop waiting for the institution to love me, to recognize me, to acknowledge me for all my hard work. And I had to just realize that I had to start valuing myself first. It didn't matter what other people thought or what my department chief or division chief thought. I had to put my best work in and find fulfillment from within without waiting for recognition from other people. Because I realized the more I longed for that recognition and waited for that, the less likely it was going to come. And if you're anything like me, you might have already realized that the harder you try to get attention from somebody or wait for validation to come, the less likely it's actually going to happen. And it's often in these times that when we feel through these emotions that we're trying so hard to do our best work and nobody seems to care, that we feel kind of left with a wounded spirit that leads us to sometimes bitterness and resentment and often not caring about the things we once loved, especially our work, our patience, maybe even committees you used to be excited about. Now you're kind of feeling not very excited about them anymore. And all that leads us often to really completely get off track where we were once headed. It's a distraction. And what I realized that I had to bring myself back on track to what I was passionate about, what was important to me, the value that I brought to the world, to my patients, um, to the scientific field, to the diseases and uh, things that I was passionate about, and not wait for some approval from somebody else. It was time to stop wondering if I get permission or approval or recognition from the institution and just seeing the value that I brought. And I feel like often the more we try to compensate for that lack of recognition, the more we try to get that recognition from other people. So it's like, it's like your children when they want attention from you, right? And you kind of ignore them for whatever reason, maybe on purpose or perhaps not intentional. You know, they're going to nag you until they get what they want. And I sometimes felt like, I was in a very similar position. Okay, I'm going to work really hard and then they were going to recognize how hard I work. And so when I didn't feel I got that recognition, I was like, okay, let me just work harder. Let me take on more projects. Let me say yes to more things. Let me be on the forefront of everybody's mind. And guess what happens when we do that? You might have already realized if you're one of those people that tends to say yes to all the things 
that that left me then totally overcommitted, totally exhausted, and also totally unproductive because how could I possibly be fully committed and executing with excellence on these 500 things that I said yes to? So I want to encourage you, stop waiting for the institution to love you back. Stop waiting for that recognition and acknowledgement that you're doing a perfect job. I know we all long for that. But the harder we try and the longer we wait, again, the more bitterness and difficulty we encounter. That's at least my personal experience. And I've seen this with so many people that I work with over and over and over again. Instead, I encourage you to start feeling your worth from within. Do what is right in your heart. Follow your passion and your purpose. And take that lead. And once you start changing from within and not relying on outside sources to validate you, guess what? Change occurs around you. And as you lead by that example being secure within what you do, you are going to create a different environment for the people around you. And like you heard it said, be the change you want to see in the world. By that time, once you see the self-worth and value within yourself, you're able to give it to others. You are suddenly the person who shows how to give value, how to love, how to care, how to share within your academic institution. And that will create a change. It will create a culture shift. And ultimately, if enough people keep on doing that, it will create a revolution. And that's what I'm here for, to inspire you to take that step. You know, this whole thing with the academic institution doesn't love us back is a little bit like a metaphor uh, for a relationship, if you think about it. If we are a person in a relationship that is needy and seeking love from others and validation from others, whether that's in a, uh, in a spouse relationship or in a friendship, you might have encountered this with people that were very needy around you. It's repelling. But as we are open and giving and have encountered people that are just loving and sharing and caring, guess what? That's inviting. So I want you to look at that picture and that metaphor and think about how can you shift your perspective in your institution and in your position. Here's the thing. You probably already realize that you cannot really change the external world or circumstances. You cannot change how your leaders, your department chair, your division chief, how they think about you or if you're on the forefront of their mind or not. Only you can change from within. You cannot influence the circumstances of academic competitive pressure or funding lines or any of those things in politics at an institution, at least not immediately. But you can change how you react and you can change how you think about it and you can change from within by valuing yourself first. And I want to just share with you in closing that once I did that, once I realized that it is time to stop to 
wait for validation from others and it's time to step into my own self-worth, guess what happened? It was amazing. I suddenly felt more secure. I felt more self-worth. I felt valued no matter what somebody said. And I also, incredibly interesting, became more productive. You know what? Because suddenly I wasn't trying to get somebody's attention by saying yes to all the things that people offered me. I decided that it was important to say yes to the things that were meaningful to me and in the way of my purpose and my passions and my interests and values. And we're going to talk a lot about this in the future. But with that, suddenly it was easier to say no to things that weren't aligned with me. So that was a wonderful side effect of valuing myself first. Because that means that you're suddenly not feeling like a doormat anymore. That everybody can just trample over you. That also doesn't mean that you will be off-putting. You will be very inviting and that's what I've noticed. So I just want to encourage you to step into value yourself first. It is so freeing and you will suddenly feel in alignment again with who you are and what you're here to do. And that's just wonderful. And it also gives you a lot more energy. It's just amazing. So start with yourself. Again, stop waiting for others to acknowledge you, to value you, to love you back. And start loving yourself and valuing yourself first. And once you do that, stick with it. You will start to notice that the world around you will slowly change. There's a quote that as you change the way you look at things, things around you start to change. Just give it a try and observe what happens around you. In upcoming episodes, I will certainly talk a lot more about the three pillars I mentioned of the uh, physician success DNA method. Until then, I just encourage you to really lean into valuing yourself first And listen to yourself and take the first steps. So until the next episode, stay well and just know this, that you matter, that your work matters and that the world needs you. And by listening to just this episode and taking some first steps, you become part of the solution. You are the person who now goes from resignation to change and ultimately we will be able to create an academic revolution and transform academic medicine one physician at the time from the inside out. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Academic Revolution podcast today. If you've gotten value from today's episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends and colleagues and help create a movement that changes the future of academic medicine forever. Also, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn and visit ingahoffman.com for more information on how to work with me. Links are in the show notes. Until then, be well and see you on the next episode of the Academic Revolution podcast.